Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're talking about autistic spectrum disorder today. You know, autism is, it's called ASD, autism spectrum disorder. And it's basically a developmental disorder that involves impairments in social interaction, communication, uh, real strong challenges with uh, sensory processing. And then there's these repetitive behaviors. The, the term spectrum really says that the symptoms vary with different individuals. Some have fewer symptoms, some have more symptoms. Also, it, it ranges in the type and the severity, and we'll go into all that later on. But it's really an umbrella diagnosis in the DSM-5 Diagnostic Manual for Mental Health, the fifth version, and, and it replaces the four pervasive developmental disorders that used to be called autistic disorder, Asperger's syndrome, uh, childhood disintegrative disorder, and pervasive developmental disorder, not other ways specified. So individuals that display ASD symptoms on a continuum uh, are on a spectrum, and it shows a whole range of mild to severe symptomology. And so those on the mild to moderate end of the spectrum are sometimes uh, colloquially referred to as having Asperger's syndrome, uh, though this is no longer a real diagnosis, a formal diagnosis. So people with autism usually appear indifferent and remote and, and can have difficulty forming emotional bonds with other people. They may have really unusual responses to sensory experiences. The noise of a leaky faucet, for example, might become extremely disruptive to them because sound is disruptive to them. Large, loud noises can really bother them. And it's found all over the world and across racial, ethnic, religious, and economic backgrounds. And its prevalence has been estimated to be roughly about 1% of the world population and in a study of the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC that we all know about these days, uh, one in 59 U.S. children are identified as having ASD, Autistic Spectrum Disorder. The, 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 the earlier that the uh, diagnosis comes, the sooner the child can be helped through treatment and interventions. And so there's the Diagnostic Manual Symptoms, and that's this is just clean, straight talk here. It's number one, the symptoms often is a persistent deficits in communication and social interaction, which includes like a lack of responsiveness during social interactions, abnormalities in the use of gestures, eye contact, facial expressions, no interest in peers or difficulty understanding relationships. They also have restricted and repetitive behaviors and interests, such as specific movements or spoken phrases. And their in, insistence on the sameness and routines, uh, intense limited interest in particular objects, and low to high levels of sensitivity to the sensory environment, including sights, sounds, and smells. Now, that's coming at it just from the DSM-5. 
five. Now, the symptoms are, 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 you know, present usually very early in a child's development and cause clinically significant impairment in social, occupational, and other important areas of functioning. And then there's the level uh, also further, there's three other levels of severity for symptoms that's related to social communication and restricted and repetitive behaviors. You know, they usually with their social communication, they require a lot of support uh, severe impairments and limitations are social functioning with minimal uh, initiation of social interactions and response to social approaches by others. Also, they also need help with deficits in communication and social interaction with little initiation of social interactions and relatively little or abnormal response to social approaches by other people. Sometimes they even have social phobias. They also... Uh, usually don't initiate any social interactions and or uh, 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 once again they don't want to approach people also they they uh, need especially with repetitive behaviors uh, uh, extre they have extreme difficulty dealing with change and behaviors that interfere with functioning in all contexts so 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 structure for a autistic child is absolutely needed as much structure as possible because that's where they find their comfort. And so you have less triggers when they have a better structure in their life. You know, there uh, sometimes there's other problems that can be related, like uh, intellectual development disorder can go with it. And uh, also uh, pragmatic communication disorder, which means they have delayed responses. You know, with more and more children and adults being diagnosed with autism, People have many questions. What is autism? What are the signs that a person's autistic? What is autism spectrum? Can a person outgrow autism or is it for life? Are there any kind of different kinds of autism? What causes autism? Well, we don't know what causes autism. There's all kinds of different theories on what's happening. There was one in Australia that was basically saying that there's a, it's a virus that stays in your brain. Once you get a, this a virus, though it's dead in your body, it stays in the brain. Uh, that's possible, but we don't really know. You know, with a lot of information and misinformation available, it can be extremely difficult task to know what what is true. And to make matters more confusing, psychologists and psychiatrists are still learning more about autism and are often updating their research daily. I mean, there's just tons of information that's coming out on this diagnosis because there's so many people in our lives that actually have it. Now, a lot of people that are autistic can be very, very, very high-functioning people. It's just because they don't have a high EQ, which is your emotional quotient, they have a high IQ, which is great. You know, if you're just learning about autism, you may wonder what it's like. And, and you know, doctors use something called the DSM-5, once again, which diagnostic manual, uh, uh, diagnostic and statistical manual for mental disorders to determine if children and adults match those symptoms. And I just listed those symptoms earlier. You know, it's important to point out that no, no two people on the spectrum exhibit autistic traits exactly the same way. You know, there's commonalities to ASD. But it would be an error to say that all autistic people have all the same symptoms and attributes. It's just not, not, not there. You know, the social difficulty, when it comes to social interactions, most uh, autistic people have some difficulty. They have a degree of social difficulty varies, 
but it's something that most people on a spectrum have in common. Also, uh, autistic spectrum disorder uh, individuals may have trouble making friends or interacting with people around them. They often will not initiate play as a child or conversations with other people. And most often they prefer to be alone and may not show affection whatsoever. In fact, they may be resistant or uncomfortable displaying or receiving an affection. And a lot of autistic individuals have trouble expressing emotions and may seem very detached. They consequently also have trouble relating to other people and other people's emotions and which may appear as a lack of empathy for others. And in many cases, it may not occur to them to show empathy. As a matter of fact, empathy is a great big foreign language to people who have autism. It doesn't mean they don't have empathy. It's just they don't know how to put it together physically. A lot of these folks know they have emotions but they don't know how to demonstrate their emotions or show their emotions. And so oftentimes they do primitive things like crying or, or throwing temper tantrums or, or doing all kinds of different things that are very primitive because that's displaying an emotion that means something else that's deeper, deeper, deeper inside them. You know, they oh, also with autism, they really often have trouble making eye contact they often have inappropriate facial gestures or facial gestures that don't match their emotions. And that means they're just plain old hard to read. You know, oftentimes when it comes to speech, they often struggle to understand tone, humor, sarcasm. They, they often have a hard time with that. They don't understand it because they're often what are called concrete thinkers. They think in terms of logic and not emotion. So emotional interpretation for them is very difficult to understand, and a lot of people think they're cold-hearted and have a lot of problems with them. You know, a lot of children that have autism, sometimes they have speech delays, and that's an early indicator of autism, and it's not uncommon for them to use repetition of words or phrases. So the repetition of phrases is not meant to communicate, but rather to self-stimulate and then calm themselves. And a lot of people get confused by that. You know, often autistic people have difficulty expressing their needs, which may turn into a meltdown or a tantrum, especially in children. And adults and children may struggle to keep a conversation going with people around them, and they feel lost and they feel alone. You know, as with speech, sometimes they, they display repetitive body movements like hand flapping or rocking or spinning. They may be clumsy or, or have unusual posture or move in a, an unusual way. You know, people on the spectrum often have sensory processing issues that are either hyper or hyposensitive to input. And people who are hypersensitive may overreact to things like loud noises or uncomfortable clothing. And people with hyposensitivity underreact to stimuli. And they may, that usually manifests itself as a highly uh, high pain tolerance or seeking extra stimuli to regulate their system. And they also show signs of both hypo and hypersensitivity. There's also other behaviors that come along with this. People on the spectrum may become obsessed with certain objects or a primary field of interest. For children, this may be about a certain subject like trains. Uh, that's usually a common one. And for adults, it may be a particular field of study or a career. And so when something becomes of great interest, they will learn every little thing they can about it and often repeat facts to anyone and everyone around them. 
And many people who are on the spectrum have a really tough time with routine or schedule if it's disturbed. And so when plans change too abruptly, they can struggle. Uh, they're not a go-with-the-flow person oftentimes. Maybe the people on the lighter scale, you know, the easier, the less uh, deep into autism, they're on the, on the spectrum, but on the outside, uh, they, they may be able to adapt better. And usually change will lead children, especially autistic, when they're autistic, it can lead to a tantrum or a meltdown. And I, believe me, it is a Broadway production on steroids. And, and, and people who are on the spectrum do enjoy playtime, but they, they don't always behave the same way as, uh, as other, other kids. You know, they tend not to play with the toys in an imaginary way or participate in make-believe games. They may have a fascination with spinning things like wheels on a toy, or they may spend a lot of time lining up toys or objects. They love to do the lineup thing. That They like that organizational aspect. They also become attached to inanimate objects like a key or a string or a rubber band because they often struggle with communication and social skills, so they may struggle to do things like sharing toys or taking turns because they don't have that sense of empathy, you know? Whether autism is mild, moderate, or severe, it's something that people on the spectrum are born with. It's the way their brains are wired. And there are, there are some small studies indicating that some children who have received intensive therapy have outgrown autism. It is possible, um, but these are, once again, small studies. And the studies are extremely limited to the outcome, uh, and that, that, that outcome is rare, for them to outgrow it. But in the beginning stages of research, it's almost impossible to know whether the treatment had a significant effect on the children or if they possibly misdiagnosed from the beginning. And I would probably suggest they were misdiagnosed from the beginning. You know, it, it can offer some hope for parents. Uh, you know, people should understand that even if they receive the earliest intervention with the most support in therapy, it's really highly unlikely that the child will outgrow ASD. However, we will get to know what the triggers are. And if we understand the triggers, we have a better way of managing their behavior and keeping them safe. You know, uh, uh, they do adapt and they learn to manage some of their symptoms. But early intervention is extremely helpful in getting those symptoms to make their life easier. It's also helpful in aiding children who have more severe symptoms become more independent and function with less support, uh, which is the goal. All parents want to raise their children to be independent, to have their own life. But some children are so deep into autism that they have a hard time functioning by themselves. It's often a fact that they just don't know how to read life very well. They may know how to function at work, but they may not know how to function to get through life. It's also important, you know, there's drawbacks and many challenges that people have with autism. You know, they have a lot of usually highly skilled, unique gifts. Uh, you know, that something that could be or should be cured is offensive to some people because it's not a disorder that has been cured or can really be cured, you know? So there's a lot of advocates advocates that believe people should be more open 
to neurodiversity, meaning that people are diverse and including autistic spectrum disorder. They have just as many rights as all of us have. But what's really good is when we get a diagnosis early and make peace with the fact that that's what it is, now we can get help. There's lots of help out there for people with autism and there's lots of blogs and there's lots of ways to communicate with other parents who are dealing with this because they have their own tricks of the trade that they can offer you to help you know but this this behavior often in public uh, can be very embarrassing very humiliating the other part of it is it can steal the lives of other children in a family because autism requires so much attention and it's so embarrassing and it breaks so many social social uh, 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 rules that basically what happens is the other children often have to parent themselves because their parents are so occupied with autistic the autistic child. And this can cause resentment and anger and really puts a lot of limitations on them, especially if they can or cannot do things like go to a ball game, go on vacation, be at certain places because it triggers the autism. Maybe they have to go to perform, you know, performances that are toned down. Whatever the deal is, everybody has to walk around that handicap handicap but that's what families do and they do adapt what's really important is that parents learn how to parent their autistic child in order for them to be able to also pay attention to the other children that they have all right we're going to take a quick break we're going to come back keep talking about autistic spectrum disorder and uh, we're going to go on and move away from some of these uh, uh, basic diagnostic aspect and we're going to talk about how to help come back Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about autistic spectrum disorder. You know, it's important to understand because there's so much diversity among autistic people, it becomes almost impossible diagnostically to categorize people based on the specific symptoms. And so instead, there's there's what are called levels of autism. And these levels are not as much based on specific symptoms, but rather the severity of the symptoms. So they are used to help explain how much assistance or what level of support is needed for the individual to function. Now, level three, these people typically require significant support. Someone in this category may have very limited speech or communication. They will have severe impairments in functionality. They may be really totally inflexible. Um, They really have a hard time struggling with interruptions to their routine and they'll most likely exhibit repetitive behaviors. They, 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 they usually will highly be highly unlikely to initiate any kind of interaction with other people or to respond to interaction, interaction from others. Now, there is no absolutes in this case, but that is the prevalence of what happens with people with the level three. Now, people at level two with autism, this category, you know, they just need moderate support. They're described as needing, well, substantial support. Um, They will have many of the same attributes as level three, but then there's less severity. So these people will have more communication abilities than those with level three, but they will probably still have very limited verbal skills and odd nonverbal skills. And they'll likely be inflexible, struggle with schedule changes, exhibit repetitive behaviors. They'll do all of that like level three, but with much less severity. And so then we move to level one, and these people are described as requiring support. But, but the people in this category will likely be verbal, but they will struggle with social skills like back and forth communication. They will struggle to initiate interactions with other people. They may lack interest in feelings or interest of other people, and they may struggle to make friends. And some come across as odd or unusual. You know, so they they, uh, usually experience difficulty in functioning in one or more of those type of contexts. Now, what used to be called Asperger's is a much lighter form of autism. It's it's now uh, an outdated term, Asperger's, but it's still used in in some contexts. It's understood to mean a person with high functioning autism and a person who had formerly been referred to as having Asperger's syndrome will now likely fall into the category of level one or below. And so someone with Asperger's will likely, or above, excuse me, someone with Asperger's usually will be able to function in life independently, but they'll probably struggle socially. 
because most people with autism lack typical social skills. They often struggle to gain and maintain friendships and relationships. The one thing that we all starve for and yearn for is a sense of being around people who are compassionate and empathetic with the fact that we're all uh, <laughs> we all have our flaws and we are very, very human. And people within this category could also exhibit repetitive behaviors like irregular body movements, have trouble making eye contact. Sometimes a person with Asperger's may be very, very, very intelligent and express great knowledge about a particular field of interest. It's also common they would have an intense focus on one or two subjects of interest. You know, mild autism is not a diagnostic term, but it is a term that people use. So the term is not very helpful in describing the level of someone's autism, but an individual might be considered high functioning under certain circumstances. For instance, very verbal, highly intelligent, yet also have severe sensory processing issues, making it really hard for them to live normally in public settings like school or, or a physical workspace. You know, an autism person or a, a person with like Asperger's type of symptoms or mild autism, whatever you want to call it, they, they, they uh, may have some poor verbal skills. They may have less severe social or sensory restrictions, meaning they would be more comfortable in social settings. And it would be difficult to, uh, uh, you know, really come to grips with what you're working with. So it's important to really understand that. There's some other categories that fall into uh, autism. One of them is pervasive developmental disorder, and uh, it's another outdated diagnosis. But someone who's diagnosed, diagnosed with that might exhibit autistic traits socially, but may not exhi exhibit other common signifiers like sensory issues or repetitive behaviors. And then there's this thing that used to be uh, uh, called Heller's syndrome. It's called childhood disinte disintegrative disorder. And it's considered to be part of autism, but it, it would be appear in children who show usually typical development, but would then begin to regress between the ages of two and four. And they often develop seizures disorders as well. Also, there's another one called Rett. R-E-T-T -T syndrome, and it's another genetic disease that was once associated with autism, but it no longer is. Rett syndrome shares some similarities, but it's not on the specific uh, spectrum. You know, if Rett's, uh, Rett syndrome is a rare, non-inherited genetic prosnatal neurological disorder that occurs almost exclusively in girls, and leads to severe impairments affecting nearly every aspect of their life. They usually have repetitive hand movements, greatly impaired motor movements. You know, it, it, it's most important with people who are on the spectrum is not how they are categorized, but rather how they receive therapy, how they receive social interactions, how much grace they get from the people around them. And the earlier the intervention, the greater the benefit for everybody. You know, it's really also important to uh, identify some of the things in social interactions that, that are signs to show people may have this disorder. For instance, a child or adult with, with autism spectrum may have problems uh, with their social interactions, so they, they fail to respond to their name or appear to hear you only at times. They also resist cuddling and holding, 
and seem to prefer to play alone and retreat into their own little world. And they also have poor eye contact. They lack facial expressions. That's another sign. Also, they, they, they don't speak or have delayed speak or lose, they lose previous ability to say words or sentences. That can be a part of autism. Also, they, they uh, often don't start a conversation or keep one going, uh, you know. And also they speak in abnormal tones or rhythms and may use sing-song voice or a robot-like speech. That's something that you're going to see in autism. Repeating words or phrases verbatim, but they don't understand how to use them or where they fit. You know, that's another sign. They, they don't appear to understand simple questions or directions. They may express emotions, uh, not express emotions or feelings that appear unaware of other people's feelings. That's another sign. They also don't point at or bring objects to share interest. And, and they often have inappropriate approaches to social interactions by being passive, aggressive, or disruptive. And they also have difficulty often uh, recognizing nonverbal cues, such as inter interrupting uh, and, or interpreting other people's facial expressions, body postures, tone of voice. They just don't understand it. Also, uh, and these, this isn't all, this is some of the symptoms, they're not symptoms, but some of the signs that someone is autistic in very human terms. Also, they may uh, also perform repetitive movements like rocking or spinning or hand flapping or activities that could cause self-harm, such as biting or head banging. Uh, they also may often uh, develop specific routines or rituals that becomes disturbed at the slightest change, and now they just blow up. Also, they develop specific routines or rituals, and, and uh, that is important to them, and they hold on to that, and that is something they actually have an emotional attachment to. They, they often have problems with coordination, have odd uh, movement patterns. They have clumsiness or they walk on their toes or has odd or stiff or exaggerated body language. That's another sign. They also can be fascinated by details of an object, you know, like, like I said, spinning wheels of a toy car. But they don't understand the overall purpose or the function of the wheel. And it's also uh, not uh, – uh, is unusually sensitive to light or sound like movies – uh, that amped up sound is very hard on them. And so they have to actually uh, uh, go to movies that where they turn the sound down, especially just for autistic people. And they also have a high tolerance for pain oftentimes. And they don't uh, uh, engage in uh, make-believe play, as we talked about earlier. Uh, they may fixate on an object or an activity with abnormal uh, in intensity or focus. And they have specific food preferences, such as eating, eating only a few foods or refusing foods with certain texture. And as they mature... Some children with autism spectrum disorder become more engaged with others and show fewer disturbances in behavior. Some, uh, usually those with the least severe problems, eventually may lead to normal or near normal lives. And others, however, continue to have difficulty with language or social skills. Teen years can bring down a lot of bad behaviors, uh, a lot of emotional problems because they just can't fit in. You know, it's really important when you when when to see a doctor if you have a baby, you know, because oftentimes if they don't respond with a smile or happy expression by six months, 
that's that's a really strong sign. Also, they may not mimic sounds or facial expressions by nine months, or maybe they don't babble or coo uh, over the first year, you know, after 12 months, or they don't gesture like a point or a wave by 14 months, or they don't say single words by 16 months, or they don't play make-believe or pretend by 18 months. These are signs. And, and maybe they don't say two-word phrases after two years, or they lose language skills or social skills at any age. These are signs of autism. And like I said, if you're catching on to this stuff and you have this in your family, or you may have someone who has autism in your family, and you don't know that. I've known people that have been 25, 30 years old. They find out they actually are on the spectrum of autism, and it, they're like, oh my gosh, my life now I understand it because if you understand what you're working with, you have a lot better way of dealing with it. Autism is just another handicap. It's not the handicap. It's not the only one out there. We all have handicaps, especially as you get older. So the deal is, you know, it's not something to be looked down on. It's something to understand and work with. That's important. But there is no single cause. You know, with the complexity of the disorder, the fact that symptoms and severity vary, there are probably a whole lot of causes. Both genetic and environmental may actually play a role. Genetic, several uh, different genes appear to be involved with autism. For some children, autism disorder can be associated with a genetic disorder, such as Rett's or, or Fragile X syndrome. Other children, genetic uh, changes like mutations may increase the risk of autism. Still, other genes may be... Uh, affecting the brain or the way the brain cells communicate, the synapses. They may determine the severity of symptoms. Some genetic mutations seem to be inherited while others occur spontaneously. So we have to understand that. There's also environmental research that's going on. They're, they explore whether factors such as viral infections, medications, complications during pregnancy, air pollutants may play a role in triggering autism spectrum disorder. You know, there, there's no link between vac uh, vaccines and autism spectrum disorder. One of the greatest controversies about autism is whether a link exists between a disorder and childhood vaccines. You know, despite all the research, no study has shown a link between autism and any vaccines. In fact, the original study that ignited the debate years ago has been retracted due to poor design and questionable research methods. So, you know, if you avoid childhood vaccinations, you really can place your child and others in danger of catching and spreading serious diseases like whooping cough, the flu, measles, mumps. You know, the number of children diagnosed with autism spectrum is on the rise because people are becoming more aware of it. You know, it's not clear whether it's due to better uh, detection or reporting of a real increase in the number of cases, but it affects kids of all races, all nationalities, all over the world. But certain factors really increase the risk. Your child's sex, boys are about four times more likely to develop autism spectrum disorder than girls are. Also, people with a family history of autism, if they have one child with autism, there's an increased risk of having another with the disorder. And it's not also not uncommon for parents and relatives of a child of autism spectrum to have minor problems with social communication skills themselves or engage in certain behaviors typical 
of the disorder. And then there's, there's other disorders. Children with certain medical conditions have a higher than normal risk of autism uh, like symptoms. Example is the fragile X, an inherited disorder that causes intellectual problems. Uh, tu uh, tuberous uh, sclerosis, a condition in which benign tumors develop in the brain. Also, Rett syndrome, which is a genetic condition occurring almost exclusively in girls, which causes a slowing of head growth, an intellectual disability, and loss of purposeful hand use. And extremely preterm babies, babies before uh, born before 26 weeks of gestation, they often have a higher risk of autism spectrum disorder. Also, parents, there may you know there may be a connection between children born to older parents and autism spectrum, uh, but more research is really necessary to link that. But uh, problems with you know looking at all this stuff is you have to really understand that there's no way to prevent autism, but there are treatment options. And early, early, earlier we grab it, the better we get it. And so it's really important for all of us to understand the complications involved in this disorder because once you're more aware of it, you're able to really grab on to helping yourself and helping others that are involved with this disorder because parenting these kids can be a devastating challenge for many people. And if you've lived with, you know, around kids with autism, they make it seen. They get a lot of attention. And the problem is kids with autism, oftentimes, especially with repetitive movements, lack of responsiveness, lack of empathy, lack of compassion, other kids are going to bully them. I'm not saying that's the case all the time. But you really need to also get a school's assistance to make sure that your child is safe and, and has a good schedule. All right, we're going to take another break, and we're going to come back and talk about autism. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. 
Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right. Kids with autism and people with autism really often have a lot of complications in life, even if it's mild uh, uh, form of autism, uh, Asperger's, or, or just something that's just very, very mild, maybe just affects social interactions and maybe their their emotional IQ. But, uh, you know, the deal is they usually have a lot of um, – problems with relationships, developing those bonds with people. And if they're not aware that they have autism, dating can be a really, really challenging process for them. Also, communication can be really difficult, especially emotional communication. Because in human communication, what's really interesting about it is that we have to match emotion with emotion, meaning that we match emotion with compassion or empathy. That is what we are obligated to do before we get to logic to logic. The reason is, is because in our human communication, we have to find out how important a topic is to a person. And when we find out through their emotions how important it is, we have to weigh through those emotions to get to the logic to logic. Well, people with autism want to go logic to logic and bypass emotion because they don't understand emotion. It's like living in a foreign country where you don't understand the language. They just rather go to the menu and order the order the 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 the, the main dish. You know, the bottom line is is that we as people have to be compassionate for people who are autistic because they do have emotions. They do require empathy. They do require understanding, but they're much more complicated to understand. And so they, they often have trouble learning uh, problems in school. It may be behavioral problems. Maybe their learning is fine. But often uh, they have employment problems because if they're employed by other people and they're, they're living, they're in an environment where they have to interact with other people, 
that's going to cause some big issues. I mean, the last thing you want to do is put a person with autism in customer service. Uh, your business will die. <laughs> that's just all there is to it. And so you really have to think about, you know, how this person is going to work. And that's why having uh, resources, which is what we're going to go to next, is really to understand what resources are going to help us. The, you know, the real question is, can they live independently? And you know what? If you add uh, other problems as they get older and older and older, maybe those other symptoms, other problems that they're going to have, heart disease, cancer, whatever, maybe that, you know, Parkinson's, uh, you know, w whatever it is, uh, their memory may start to go sooner. And then all of a sudden their handicaps get worse and worse and worse as they get older. So they may go from a mild form to a more severe form because they're getting exacerbated in their autism by their other diagnoses medically. They also, uh, social isolation is very common with people with autism and the inability to live independently. And that has to be thought about in a family. And what's really, really, really important is, and I've talked about it earlier, but I'm going to tell you, man, there's a lot of mental health issues with other children in a family that have to live with one child with autism because they don't get their developmental needs met because the autistic child requires so much. And so do not ever, ever forget your other children. They have needs too. And oftentimes, if there's a bad child, which an autistic child is not a bad child, but they have a lot of bad behaviors and they're high maintenance. And if you have a child like that, uh, the other children have a tendency to either rebel or they will go the other way and compensate by not getting in trouble, staying off the radar, staying quiet and uh, lose out on the love and the parenting that they really, really need. And so it's really important with a family with autism to have other support systems out there, such as very active grandparents, very active aunts, uncles, cousins, very active support system, maybe your church, maybe your neighbors, maybe your friends, but, but it's important to have other people who can stand in for the caretakers of autistic children in order for the other people in the home, especially the children and the parents, to get help for them, to assist them through this process. This is not a good and evil problem. This is a family problem. Autism is a family issue, and it really requires the entire family to be on board and also be on board to get their needs met too and to make room for that very important. Also, uh, it can be really hard on the other children in an autistic family because bringing friends over, bringing people to their house, and then watching, you know, temper tantrums and screaming and body movements and strange behavior, uh, very cold and callous, whatever, unemotional communication, all of that can be scary to friends. And if they don't understand it, uh, you may start losing friends because, it's just difficult to get to even have them at your home. And that is a challenge. That's a big challenge because we form our individuality through our relationships with other people, especially when we're somewhere between 10 and 14 years old. We're really looking to other children to establish our identity. But if we have very limited 
ability to connect with them like all these poor kids during COVID. Uh, we fall behind developmentally. We fall behind educationally because part of our education during that period is forming our individual values, our individual needs, and who we're going to be, what we're going to look like, what we're going to care about, who we're going to relate to, who we're not going to relate to, what are our habits, what is going to be our our uh, addictions. All that kind of stuff happens during that period of time. Also, we have to understand that there is so much stress within the family because this stuff happens randomly. Temper tantrums, the screaming, the craziness, all of it, uh, the, the fights uh, with other children, with mom and dad, all of that can take place and that causes a sense of feeling danger, feeling vulnerable, causes panic attacks because you never know when it's going to happen. So getting those triggers and understanding those triggers is one way in which we educate ourselves on how to manage autism. Also, there's no way, once again, to prevent autism, but it is out there, and it's important to understand that, and we can't do a whole lot about that. But what we can do is occupational therapy, uh, and then that can help you learn how to use your hands, your legs, your body parts if you're autistic. Also, um, uh, sensory training. If we uh, find sensitivity to sounds and lights and touch, sensory training helps people become more comfortable with their social input. Also, uh, we can encourage positive behaviors using behavior modification. Also, there's some medications that can help manage specific symptoms like depression or high energy. Also, speech therapy is often used to help children with autism and physical therapy with people with having trouble with social skill with uh, excuse me physical skills you know the bottom line is high functioning autism isn't a medical term and it doesn't have a clear definition but people using the term are likely referring to something similar uh, to uh, one uh, level one of autism now there's resources out there uh, and we really need to take a look at what those are there's a num there's a group called Autism Action, and its mission is to better the lives of people who fall on autism spectrum. And they strive to improve the quality of persons of, of autism's life through education, support, providing high-quality resources to the community. There's another group, and that's called Autism Action, by the way, another group called Autism Now. And it's an amazing resource, and it focuses on providing the best comprehensive information for people with autism spectrum disorder, which includes education, health care, aging issues, caregiver, family support. That's a big deal. There's also 10 things every child with autism wishes you knew. Anyone who considers themselves a caregiver in any sense of the word should read this book. It's called 10 Things Every Child with Autism wishes you knew and it serves as a guide with a wealth of information that's helpful and supportive and enlightening and it brings a light-hearted openness to the experiences of parents with children who fall on autism spectrum disorder there's also a thing called the prt pocket guide which is a pivotal resource treatment for autism spectrum disorders and that pocket guide is a wonderful resource prt pocket guide for uh, parents, educators, teachers, 
social workers and others who care about those with ADS. And it offers a clear view of the condition and how people can better understand, use real life experiences from various people in those positions. Also, there's another resource, Overcoming Autism, Finding the Answers, Strategies, and Hope that Can Transform a Child's Life. So it's called, once again, it's the second edition. It's by Lynn Kern Kogel and uh, Claire Lazebnik. Sorry if I messed your name up. But it's called Overcoming Autism, and it's got a bunch of tips and information on the disorder. And it also takes you through a process of caring for people with autism through a nurturing and knowledgeable lens. And believe me, this requires a lot of patience. Also, there's a thing called Autism Family Online. Now, that understands the challenges that families face during the people that uh, the time you're working with autism. And for this reason, they offer a whole lot of programs to fulfill needs of caregivers and give them necessary tools and skills to navigate dealing with the disorder. There's another thing called the National Autism Network, and it's one of the largest online resources for people in the autism community. It provides a space to connect, learn about news, articles, events, because this is a very uh, strong diagnosis that a lot of people are becoming very, very aware of. There's also one called Autism Speaks. And once again, that was the National Autism Network, the last one. Autism Speaks it basically offers critical research and support for caregivers. And it's to make strides to understand the disease and give a voice to caregivers. And then there's another one, Autism Community. And that focuses on shedding light on the whole bunch of topics that encourage communication within the community, provide education and resources for people that have to care with people with autism. And also, even the CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, works uh, very hard to understand and combat diseases. And they're providing a lot of support and information and uh, to, to a lot of people, and they are a go-to spot to find updated information like news uh, research on autism spectrum disorder. So as we go through all of these resources, you have to understand there's also community resources that are available through your Department of Social Services. So that is a great place to go in your county to find out what can be used to help you raise a child with autism, live with autism, or even support somebody who has to care for somebody with autism. All right, that's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. And you can do that at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, the problem with high-functioning autism is you're too weird to be normal, and you look too normal to be weird. Also, autistic people have no idea why people think it's good to stare into people's eyeballs. <laughs> so the advantage of having autistic children as you can burn about 2,000 calories a day in trying to stop your child's hysteria. Thank you for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 